Hello, this is Audrey Mack. The Word of God says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you may prosper, be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So I pray that this message be a blessing to you. Go deep into your heart to work divine transformation, both in you and through you. So get ready, open your heart, and be blessed. I would like you to turn your Bible uh, with me to Psalm chapter 69, verse 30 and 31. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bull which has horns and hooves. Do you know what God is actually saying here? He's saying that adopting a simple attitude of gratitude, being thankful for anything and everything is more pleasing to God and is better in his eyes than offering him the big sacrifices. Amen. So many times. We want to do big things for God. Amen. We want to offer him and promise him something that costs us. But according to what we just read, it said that being thankful is more important to God and it's better than just offering a sacrifice and an offering. Amen. And as I studied my Bible, I really discovered why it is more important and why it is better in God's eyes. Because being thankful is an, it's an expression of faith. And you and I know that faith pleases God. And it is the mode of operation in the kingdom of God. Anything that is done in the kingdom of God has to be done by faith. You and I have to learn by faith, walk by faith, amen, operate by faith. So we need faith. And we just see there that being thankful shows that we have faith and we walk in faith. Amen. Um, you know, so many times. We, we, we want to do the hard thing. We want to do the big things. And in trying to do that, we abandon the simplest thing. And I believe that, yes, being thankful sounds so simple, doesn't it? It is so simple, but yet I believe it's one of the most important and the most powerful things we can do. Amen. I heard a man say one time that your spiritual altitude will be determined by your spiritual attitude. You know, your attitude will determine your spiritual altitude. How high you go in the kingdom of God. How powerful you are in the kingdom of God. Amen. And so, if you allow me, in this lesson, I would like to uh, talk about one of the attitude that will determine our altitude. And I would call it the attitude of gratitude. And of course, let me say something important. That attitude of gratitude will not happen to you by chance. It is not something that God is going to gift to you that will fall on you. It's not an anointing. No, no. It is a choice. It is a decision that you must make. Amen. It is that attitude is something that you must develop, that you must exercise, that you must cultivate. 
Amen. It will take an act of your will. And so how do we develop and cultivate that attitude of gratitude? You see, in order to be thankful, that means that we have to choose to remember what God has done, what he has done in the past, what he's done yesterday, and what he's done in our lives and in the lives of others. Amen. We have to remember our memory. Amen. Now, let me say something. I will just very quickly talk about the negative aspect. What do I mean by that? What happens if we don't choose or if we don't remember what God has done in our lives and in the life of others? I would say, number one, it will harden your heart. And when I mean harden your heart, I'm not talking about sin. It will make you sinful. No, I mean that it will cause your heart to be insensitive to what God wants to do today in your life. Do you remember in Mark, I believe, chapter 6, we find that, that uh, when Jesus was on a, in the mountain and people had followed him to hear the word and to be healed, they stayed with Jesus for three days. And at the end of the third day, uh, Jesus, uh, the disciples said, Lord, you need to send them away. And Jesus said, I have to feed them first because they have been with me for three days. And if I send them away uh, uh, on empty stomach, they are going to faint. And so he said, we must feed them. Well, the disciples said, Lord, we are in the wilderness. How can we feed him? We have nowhere to, to buy bread. We don't have enough money. It's impossible. Well, if you remember the story, uh, there was a little boy that had, you know, five, they found five loaves and two fish. And so Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish in the hands of the disciple. And they distributed it to 5,000 men. And we see that that was a great miracle. But you know what happened? A few, uh, I don't know how... Um, much time had happened between the two miracles, but just two chapters later in Mark chapter 8, we find out that the same situation happened. They were uh, with the multitude that had come and followed Jesus for a long time. And Jesus said, we, I need to feed those people again. And isn't that amazing that the disciples again said, Lord, how can we do that? We don't have enough food. We don't have enough money. Uh, that is impossible. How can they forget so soon? Well, you can see that, that their heart was insensitive to what God was wanting to do once again. Why? Because they had forgotten what God had done. And even, is that amazing, when Jesus sent them on the boat, amen, and told them, uh, uh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the, the, the disciples scratched their head and said, uh, uh, is he talking because we forgot to take bread with us? Oh, Jesus said, you guys, you have forgotten that I fed 5,000 people out of five loaves, that I fed 4,000 persons with seven loaves. 
Oh, and, 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 and we see there, listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, in verse 17 through 20. It says, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive, nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Or you could say, is your heart still insensitive? Having eyes you do not see, and having ears you do not hear, and you do not remember. You see, they, Jesus had done one miracle, feeding 5,000 people, and that day their heart was hardened. Their heart was insensitive because they forgot. They forgot. They choose to, they did not remember and meditate on what Jesus had done just a few days before. How easy we can forget. Amen. I will say if we do not remember what God has done in our lives and in the lives of others, it will cause us to be unfruitful. It will cause, it will stop us from bearing fruit. And we know that God is looking for fruits in our life. Amen. In Mark chapter 4, in the parable of the sower, we, we see here in verse 16 and 17 that Jesus said, um, These likewise as the one sown on stony ground or on a hardened heart um, are those when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time. And afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, why do they stumble when they face tribulation or trial or a need or persecution? Why? Because they have no root. Now, how do you get, how do you, when you receive the word of God and God is moving in your life, how do you uh, plant roots? How do you produce a root system? By continually meditating and remember, remember what God has done in your life. And you see, when you remember what God has done in your life and in the life of others, when the same situation happened, you're not uh, taken by surprise because then you remember what God has done. And if God has done it yesterday, he, he can do it again and he wants to do it again. But you see, somebody who, who, who hears the word, who has seen God uh, uh, move, who has, God, has seen God do something or seen the word or heard the word and they forget it, it's like, plucking up the seed and uprooted it. It's impossible for that word or for what God has done to, to uh, um, develop root in your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. And so because somebody that does not remember what God has done, has that, that what God has done is not building roots in your heart. And then when the problem happens, you are not like the disciples, you see. You are not able, you are insensitive to what God wants to do and you stumble, you fall apart and you forget. Amen. And you know, somebody who does not remember what God has done, 
Not only will their heart be insensitive and hardened, not only will it will cause, it will stop them from producing fruit and being fruitful and seeing the word of God bearing fruit in their lives, but it will limit God in what he wants to do in your life. You see, we often hear and we often hear people quote that scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 that says that God is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask, think, or even imagine. And people stop right there and think that somehow God, who is a God of impossibility, can do anything, anytime in your life. But that's not true. If you, can, if you read the whole scripture, you find out that yes, God can do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask, think, or even imagine, but it's according to the power that works within us. It's according to the power that we allow to work in our heart. And what is the power that works in our heart? It's faith. Amen. And, and so we see that if we do not choose to remember what God has done in our life, our heart becomes hardened, insensitive, and, and we limit God. Amen. Because God works by faith. Amen. L look at this verse. If you don't believe me, look at what I mean. In, in the book of uh, Psalm, in the book of Psalm, we have a good example of what I'm talking about. In, in Psalm chapter 78, in verse 40 uh, through 42, we, I will explain to you a little bit the, the, the context. Uh, God had just delivered Israel from the land of Egypt. Do you remember how he did it? He did many signs and wonders to show that he was almighty God, amen, and to humiliate and to humble Pharaoh and cause him to let the people go. And then God parted the Red Sea, amen, drowned the, the army of, of, of Egypt. God did mighty, mighty works. He fed them with manna, opened the rock, and did all kinds of miracles right and left amen and here we see that God says how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert yet again and again they tempted God and how and they limited the holy one of Israel because they did not remember his power the days when he redeemed them from the enemy you know what that, that what that says in simple words, it means because even though God did one miracle after another miracle, they never uh, remember, they did not remember what God did. Every time they were faced with a new situation, with a, a, a need or a, a problem, they forgot what God had done a few days ago or a week ago or a month ago. And because they, they would not remember and they would forget, they, they limited God and they would complain and grumble. And they would limit God from doing greater things in, in, their, in their lives. Amen. Oh, I hope we, we are not uh, the same. I hope we don't fall into the same trap, you and I. Amen. And we see here that if we don't remember what God has done for us in our lives and in the lives of others, it will make us dissatisfied. 
What do I mean by that? You see, our temptation oftentimes is to focus our attention and to look at the one thing we don't have or we should have or we can have. Oh, what God, why didn't you do that for me? God, why didn't you? Why, why don't I have that? You remember in the book of Genesis, it, we find that in Genesis chapter 3, that God, we, we see Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, that God created all of the earth, the animals, uh, uh, the trees, the, the plants, everything, and he created everything and gave it to man. And God said, of every tree of the garden you may eat. He probably gave them 99 million sort of trees. Amen. We know how, how much trees and how many fruits and, and there exist in the world. All of that belonged to man. God gave it all to them. But yet, you know what the devil did? He caused them to focus on the one thing they couldn't have. He caused them to look and become People who were perfect, Adam and Eve were perfect. They were living in perfection. They were living in a perfect world and had everything. But yet they become dissatisfied because they focused and they looked at the one thing they couldn't have. Amen. And you know, my friend, the tactics of the devil, the deception of the devil has not changed. That's what he tries to do to us today. You know, God has blessed us. God has healed us. God has done so many things in our lives. But yet, how many of you know that it is so tempting just to look at the one thing we don't have? At the one thing that we think God didn't do for us? Oh, hallelujah. And really, the danger of always focusing on what you don't have, what you should have, what God didn't do for you or whatever, it will give you a victim mentality instead of a victor mentality. Amen. And we don't want that. So do you know what is amazing is I, I was saying that this is what the devil wants to do in every one of our lives. He likes to to get us to focus on what we don't have or what we can't have or what, amen? And that is really a sign of the end time. This is, we can see it is so prevalent today, amen? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, amen? 2 Timothy chapter 3, excuse me. 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verse 2. I will start with verse 1 because it's good. It says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous or dangerous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. Did you notice that one of the signs of the end time is unthankfulness or ingratitude. And it's amazing that it's, it's sandwiched in between disobedience, which is rebellion, which according to the Bible, it's like the sin of witchcraft, and between unholiness. Oh, and we see that this mentality that is so prevalent in the world in the last days, and we are 
part of the last days has creeped into the church and how many Christian sisters and brothers that I meet that just complain, that just go on and on about, you know, what they don't have. And, 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 and so that's something that we have to guard ourselves against. You know, it amazes me in some of the nations that I go to where people are persecuted, where people are in prison, where people are kept in, in poverty. And, and we, I see that that's some of the happiest people. And you know why? It's amazing. I say, but they don't have anything. They, they, most of the time, they don't even have water or one hour a day. They have nothing. They're being persecuted. They, they have to hide to worship God. And yet they always have such a joy. And I notice why, because instead of, of looking at the, you know, the 99 thing they don't have, they are thankful for the one thing they have. And isn't that amazing that here many times in America or in the Western world, people are, are, are looking at the one. They don't look at the 99 things they have. They look at the one thing they don't have. And it makes them dissatisfied and give them a, vict a victim mentality. Amen. So, yeah, it is true. We, we have, if it is a sign of the end time, and the Bible said that in the last days, many will be deceived. And I believe that's one of the tools of, of deception that the devil has used today. We have to, to watch, pray, and we have to guard, and we have to be aggressive about it. Amen. We have to really watch ourselves to not fall into that trap. Amen. And so that means that, Every day, you know, every day, remember to thank God. Remember to be thankful, whether it's say thank you to God or saying thank you to one another. Or you know what I'm talking about? And you know, may, may, can I do a parenthesis here? And it, it, it will help some of you. You know why some people have such a bad marriage most of the time and have problems and they feel like they don't love their husband or don't love their wives? For that very same problem, instead of looking at the maybe the one or two or the 25 qualities that their husband or their wives have, they look at that one little thing, that one thing that bugs them. They focus on, on that one weakness or that one thing that they don't like into their spouse. I remember God had talked to me about that when I first got married because, you know, like every husband and wife, uh, you are trying to become one. Amen. You are trying to learn to live together, to, to fuse and become one, fuse together. And they're the things that the other person does that probably gets on your nerves, you know. And if you focus on the little things, it'll become bigger and bigger and to the point where people uh, uh, um, fall out of love, if you, if you allow me to say it like this. And I, I remember feeling so, you know, little things my husband would do that would just get me so irritated and I'd get so dissatisfied and wanted to change him. And until the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, stop looking at those little things. Don't major on the minor, but look at all the qualities that your husband have. Look at all the things that made you fall in love with him and meditate on that. Focus on that and thank God, thank me for that. And thank your husband for that. You know, it wasn't long until, oh, I forgot about those little things. 
it didn't bother me anymore because I was so thankful. I, I saw what God had given me in a husband, what wonderful man he was, and I was focusing on all the good things that were in him. You know, I was so in love with my husband. I was just like, oh, I was feeling so blessed. And I still am because that's one thing that I have learned to do in my marriage is to be thankful continually. My husband and I, we say thank you to each other all the time. We say thank you for whatever little thing we do for each other. We never forget to say, oh, thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you for this. Amen. And so that's what I'm talking about. Not only being thankful to God and telling God how th that, you know, things we have to be thankful for and things that we appreciate, but also it's important to be thankful with one another. It's an attitude that we have to cultivate. Amen. Hallelujah. Every day, every day through the day, uh, if we learn to do that, I'm telling you when, when a problem happens and we all, you know, the, Jesus said in this life, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen. Uh, in, in time when if you, you go through a trial, you go through a, a, a crisis or you have a, a need, you know, if you have developed that attitude of gratitude and you are thankful, uh, you will be able in that moment, instead of putting your attention on that one thing that you need or that one problem or that one injustice that was done to you, you will focus on all the good things that have God has done for you. All the good things that you can thank God and that you can, you know, be thankful for. And you know, that little thing that you're dealing with or that need that you have, all of a sudden, it will be like, oh, no problem. God is going to take care of it. If he's done it in the past, He's going he's gonna to do it again. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope you understand what I'm trying to talk about here. Developing and cultivating an attitude of gratitude. And you know what happens when, and, and when you, you thank God, you choose to remember everything that God has done in the past for you and for others. And when you, you are thankful for, 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 for what God has done, it will cause God to be magnified and amplified uh, in your eyes. And all of a sudden, the little problem won't, be, won't look so hard, won't look so, so problematic and so impossible. Amen. And there is so much freedom in that. You'll be free from depression, free from anxiety and, and worry, free from fear, free from uh, um, bitterness, free from anything that the devil would want to trap you into. Amen. Here is an example. Do you remember the story of Jonah? Well, Jonah, God had told him to go east. What did he do? He said, you go to Nineveh, and he didn't like the people of Nineveh. There was some kind of prejudice going on. Apparently, the Ninevites were pretty uh, uh, vile and rude people. So uh, um, Jonah said, no, I'm not going east. I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm going to go west. And so he got on a ship that went to the opposite direction, and all of, well, you know what happened? All hell broke loose. And, and the people on the boat that were sailors were afraid to die. There was such a, 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 a tempest that, that they, they wondered what is happening. And Jonah was sleeping in the, in, at the bottom of, of the ship. 
and uh, they woke him up and he said, oh, don't worry about it. Just throw me overboard. I'm the problem. And, you know, long story short, they ended up throwing him overboard. And you know what happened. God spoke to a whale, a big, big fish, uh, to swallow him up. Now, imagine, have you ever thought what it, it was like? Sometimes we read the Bible so fast, we don't see the magnitude of the situation. Well, he's in the bottom of a fish. It's dark. It's hot. It's wet. He can hardly breathe because he's got water up to his nostril, you know, and he's got weeds and grass wrapped around his head and he's trying to, you know, to stay alive. But you know what the Bible says? Let me turn to Jonah chapter 2. It's one of the minor prophets. Jonah chapter 2. It says that Jonah in the middle of the, the darkest point amen, of his life, literally, he, he, he cried out to God. And you know what he said? But God, I will sacrifice to you with thanksgiving. I will sing to you and sacrifice to you with thanksgiving for salvation is of the Lord. You know what he was saying right there? He was saying, God, you are my solution. You are my salvation. How did he know that God was his salvation? That with God, nothing is impossible. He had to surely remember what God had done in the past for him. He had to remember when God, you know, delivered him in the past, when God uh, provided for him, when God healed him, when God did wonderful things in his life or in the life of others around him. And so he was able to declare, God, I'm going to thank you. Even if I'm in, in this situation, I'm going to thank you and thank you because you are my salvation. And you know what happened? He got free. At that moment, God spoke to, a, to the well and says, change of action, change of action. And, and at that moment, the well just released him and spit him out on dry ground. Now, listen to me. Jonah didn't even have to swim to shore. God made it easy on him and spit him on dry ground. How good and how, how cool is that? Amen. Oh, Jonah was so thankful for God's goodness and salvation because he, he had at that moment to remember what God did for him in the past. Amen. And so we see that you see, it is hard for the devil to keep you trapped and to keep you uh, in a state of depression and in a state of anxiety and fear if you choose to remember what God has done for you. If you count him and consider him faithful, amen, and you remember what he has done for you because, like I said before, God wants to do it again and will do it again for you if you let him, amen. When... Here is another uh, awesome things is that when we develop that attitude of gratitude, oh, glory to God, it, we build an atmosphere or it's a fertile ground in which God can do miracles. Amen. Uh, we saw earlier that the children of Israel had limited the Holy One of Israel by limiting God. You know what that means? That if we develop an attitude of gratitude, we take the limits off of God and allow Him to do great miracles. Oh, hallelujah. Do you remember uh, uh, the stories of the ten lepers? It's found in Luke chapter 17. 
we find out that there were 10 lepers and, and um, Jesus was going towards Jerusalem, but he had to cross Galilee and Samaria. And, and on his way, he was, there was 10 lepers that heard that Jesus was there. So he was a miracle worker. They heard that he healed, that he cured, that he uh, opened blind eyes. And so they cried out from the distance and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And so Jesus stopped and he, and, and, and he spoke to them and he said, just go turn and go show yourself to the priest. Well, of course, the priests were in the temple of Jerusalem. So it took, took them probably a little distance to go uh, to Jerusalem, but they went and turned around. Now, I, I was a missionary in India for quite a while and I go, my husband and I go back to India on a regular basis, almost every year. And um, we've had to see quite a few lepers. We've seen some lepers and heard about leprosy. And I noticed that uh, oftentimes lepers had open wounds or some of them would have open uh, um, uh, missing fingers or missing toes or maybe a missing nose. And I always wanted to know, what does leprosy actually do? Well, leprosy actually kills your nervous system to the, uh, so, so that you cannot feel anything. So you bump into something, you bump your foot against the foot of the bed, and you don't feel a thing. So what happens oftentimes when you bump and, and hit a big stone, you know, fall on your foot, you don't feel it. You know what I mean? Uh, sometimes that would be kind of cool, but um, there is a problem here because when you don't feel anything, there is potential for for uh, breaking toes, open wounds. And in India, oftentimes people that, you know, that would get hurt that way and have open wounds or, or you know, bleeding fingers and bleeding toes or, or bleeding nose, whatever, during the night, uh, it, it, I've heard that, that uh, rats would come in the middle of the night and eat that open, that bloody nose, that bloody fingers, that wounded and, and infected toe. And because they couldn't feel anything, they would sleep through it through in the night and wouldn't wake up. And they would wake up in the ne next day with a missing finger, a missing toe, so on and so forth. So I'm just painting a little picture about those 10 lepers. Probably there were some of them that were missing a toe or a finger or, or an open wound or missing a nose. Let's just imagine. And so Jesus tell them, just turn around, go and show yourself to the priest. Without any guarantee that they were actually healed, without any proof, physical proof that they were healed, they had, they turned around, they believed him, turned around, went to, on their way to Jerusalem. But halfway, they, all of a sudden, what happened? They felt sensation back in their body. At that moment, they knew, I am healed of leprosy. I am cleansed of leprosy. I am no longer a leper. But you know, if they had they were healed, they were cleansed, but if they had a missing toe, their toe was still missing. But you see, out of the 10 lepers, one of them, who was a Samaritan, 
decided to turn around. I mean, he was halfway to Jerusalem. That would have been tempting and easy for him to say, well, you know, I'm just going to go all back to, you know, to Jerusalem or whatever. But no, he chose to turn around and go and see Jesus. He knelt before him. And at that moment, he didn't just see him as a miracle worker. He, he saw him and addressed him as Lord and Savior. He knelt before him uh, on his face and to say, thank you. And you know what Jesus said? Number one, he says, where are the other nine? You know, but then he said, man, your faith has made you whole. What does it mean? You see, the other nine had received a healing that one man received a miracle. What do I mean by that? Well, the other nine were healed, cleansed. There were no longer lepers, but that one, probably his toes grew back. His fingers grew back out. His nose grew back out. He, he not only was healed and no longer a leper, but he became whole. He received a miracle. You see, that attitude of gratitude is a fertile ground. It is a, a atmosphere where God is, has no limits, where God can do the impossible, when God can make you whole. You know, you might say today, well, you know, I'm not whole. The devil stole from me. The devil did this and did that. But let me tell you, if you choose to, to have that attitude of gratitude, there is no limit for God what he can do and what he can add back into your life. What the enemy has stolen, not only can God give it back to you, but give it to you better, greater, and more. Do you believe that? Hallelujah. Jesus said, let it be done according to your faith. So I hope, I hope that this is encouraging you and, and giving you uh, um, faith to believe God for the impossible. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, cultivating an attitude of gratitude will not only, not only get you free, Amen. From the, the traps of the devil. It will uh, work miracles in your life. Amen. But it will keep you spirit filled. It will keep you fresh in the spirit. It will keep you sensitive to the Holy Spirit. If you don't mind, go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 through um, 20, the Apostle Paul, uh, actually, if you don't mind, I'm going to start with verse 15 for just a little background of what he's talking about. Uh, Paul says, see then that you walk wisely, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know, isn't that the truth? Even more then, even more now than then, I believe. He says, therefore, do not be unwise. But understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation or debauchery, but be filled or be continually filled with the Spirit. How? How can you continually be filled with the Spirit? It says here in verse 19, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melodies in your heart to the Lord. You see, you can sing to the Lord in your shower. You, while you drive, you can have a new song and, and sing, sing to the Lord. Amen. You don't have to wait to be in church. But here in verse 20, he says, giving thanks always for 
all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you notice it says that when we develop that attitude of gratitude, when we learn to thank God and be thankful in all things, for all things, when it will keep us continually filled with the Spirit and sensitive to the Spirit instead of being flesh dominated, dominated by your emotions, dominated by your five senses, you will become and stay filled fresh and dominated by the spirit in you. Oh, isn't that great? Isn't that good news? I love that. We are called to walk by the spirit. We are called to be guided and led by the spirit. And I'm telling you that will make so much easier to hear the voice of the Spirit when we stay continually filled with the Spirit in that attitude of, of, um, of gratitude. Amen. We can find also, look with it in Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3.15, Paul says again uh, and again, and let the peace of God rule in your heart and be thankful. Let me tell you something. You see, when you learn, when you are thankful person, when you make it a lifestyle and, a, and an attitude, you will walk in peace. There's nothing that's going to throw you off the board. There's nothing that's going to disrupt your peace. There's nothing that's going to make you worried. It's going to make you steal your joy. No, 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 no. Y you, will, you will walk in a peace that passes all understanding. Amen. Oh, glory to God. I just love God, don't you? And listen to that one last verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20, uh, 16, excuse me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. In everything, give thanks. Let me start with um, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You know, how many of you want to walk in the will of God? Well, I just showed you how. Hallelujah. Yes, it's simple. It is simple, but it is good. To rejoice, learn to rejoice always. To pray without ceasing, that means... You don't have to get on your knee every five minutes. You can talk to God, God all through long, all day long. And you know, when you talk to him, it's good just to say, oh God, thank you for this beautiful sunset. Oh God, thank you that you gave me a great parking spot. Lord, I thank you for that sales. I needed that, that, that outfit. I needed that shirt. And you gave me a, 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 a great sale today. Thank you, Lord, that you caused me to, oh, Lord, I thank you that, that my husband is such a blessing. You know, you can talk to God through the day and find any little opportunity to talk to him and say, Lord, I just thank you for that. It's just that easy. You see, it's just that easy. Hallelujah. And, and so, when we develop that attitude of gratitude, it will keep you filled with the Spirit, sensitive to the Spirit, and in order for you to be led by the Spirit. Oh, glory to God. And last, oh, and that one is so good. I just love it. 
that attitude of gratitude will keep you focused on God instead of focused on your circumstances. It will keep you focused on heaven. Do you know how many of you want to be like Jesus? Jesus told us, the same work that I did, you shall do also, and even greater work than this shall you do because I go to my Father. Do you know how Jesus did all the works that he did? He kept his eyes on heaven, or he lived in heaven. And you say, oh, wait a second, Audrey. No, 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 no. Jesus lived on earth. Well, listen to this. In John chapter 3, in the, in the, the um, gospel of John, in chapter 3. Hallelujah. I saw it one day, and I had to read it twice because I had never seen it before. In John chapter 3, verse 13, he says, No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. Do you know what that tells me? That yes, Jesus came down from heaven and he lived on earth for 33 years. But while he lived on earth and while he was uh, uh, here on earth, he lived, he was in heaven. You know, did you ever um, notice that any time Jesus prayed and had an impossible situation in front of him, you know what he did? He looked up. That doesn't mean that he just went, put his head up and looked at the sky. No, no. It means that in the midst of a situation, when he was in front, for example, we see in John chapter 11, he was standing in front of Lazarus' tomb. And Martha said, Lord, Lord, wait a second. He's been dead for four days. He stinks. And Jesus, instead of listening to what was happening around, instead of looking at the tomb and looking at the impossibility, it said that Jesus looked up. What did he do? He looked to heaven. At that moment, he remembered he remembered who he was, what he had, what he could do because he was in the Father and the Father was in him. He looked in the heaven, in the, 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 the kingdom of heaven where there is victory, provision, healing, and, and life. That's what he looked. Amen. When he multiplied the bread, when he fed the 5,000 and the the 4,000, the Bible says also that Jesus gave grace and looked up. Why? Because he was, his gaze was on God's provision, on God's the kingdom of God where nothing is impossible, where there is ample provision, when there is no end, no lack, no poverty. Hallelujah. That's what he was looking at. When he was praying one day, and this is found in, um, uh, let me see, in Mark chapter 7, verse 34, he prayed for a deaf and mute here again. You see, he was in front of something that, you know, that looked impossible, but yet it said he looked up. Every time Jesus was in front of a, uh, an impossible need and uh, in front of a... Um, in front of a wall, if you, if you will. Jesus didn't look at it. He lifted up. You know what the Bible says? I love that. Psalm, Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2. And it says, 
I lift my head, my eyes unto the hill from whence my help comes from. It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, that's why Jesus looked up because he says, I lift up my eyes because that's where the helps come from. And looking unto heaven where there is everything you need, when there is no impossibility. And so you see, when you continually remember what God has done for you, And for others, it helps you to keep your eyes focused on God and on heaven. So that when a need comes, when there is an impossibility in front of you, it causes you to look up again and remember, oh, look what God did. He wants to do it again and he's going to do it again. Amen. That's what the Bible says. In Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says to be carnally minded as death. Well, carnally minded, what it means. It doesn't mean to be sinful, to have sinful thoughts. No, no. It means to think, it's like to think uh, 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 on your circumstances, on and to be thinking and led by your five senses and, and the things of this world. He said to be carnally, carnally meaning of the five senses, minded as death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's what it means. Jesus was looking up. He was always, his gaze was always on heaven, on the spirit world, on the kingdom of God, what God had given him, what who he was and what God had called him to do. And that produced always life and peace. Amen. Hallelujah. And you see, what do you do? And it's tempting when somebody um, says something bad about you or to you. Somebody betrays you. Have you ever been betrayed by somebody very, very close to you? Well, the Bible says that it happened to Jesus. In John chapter 13, if you go there with me, in John chapter 13, John chapter 13. I'm turning there. You probably can hear my pages. In John chapter 13, in verse 1, it says, Now, therefore, the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And so right here, Jesus knows that the moment has come for him to be crucified, to, to be dead, and, you know, to, to go back to the Father. But he also knew at that moment that Peter would deny him three times. He knew also that Judas was going to betray him to his death and give him over to the high priest. And, but you realize what Jesus did? In that moment where he knew that the one, that his friends were going to betray him and and deny him three times, he chose to look up to the Father. He chose to remember who he was, what he had, and what God had called him to do. And what he did, he put on a towel and he served 
them and love them. You see, re, uh, uh, focusing on, on, on heaven, focusing on, on, on you know, on, on what on the Father really helped him to overcome uh, um, the hurt and overcome. He, he was able to love the very one that denied him and betrayed him. And in other words, that just didn't even affect him. He washed their feet and loved them and forgave them. And in verse 3, said Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things unto his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God. Jesus was so secure in who he was, what he had, and wh uh, where he was going back to. He was so secure in his identity, in his authority, in his blessedness and favor with the Father. That, that did not, that betrayal, that denial did not affect him, but he just did let it slide off of him. You see, by keeping an attitude of gratitude, to be the kind of person that is always focusing on the good, on all the little and the good things that, that God does for you and people do for you, it will cause you to be become in more sensitive to God and his favor and his love towards you than anything that anybody can do against you. That's the powerful. You are free from the hurt. You are free from anything that anybody can do against you. There is power, isn't it? Hallelujah. And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you not only just to hear this message, but make a quality decision today. If you don't already do this, to say, you know what? I heard, but I'm not just going to be a hearer of the word. I'm going to be a doer of the word. I'm going to start to take the, the opportunity every time, anywhere, just to think, to see the good and thank people for what they, thank people for this or for that, to look in the good in my husband and my wife, thank him for what he does or what she does. Thank my friend. Thank God. Thank, uh, you know, the... Uh, Glory to God, the, the, the military guy at the airport that just came back from Iraq. Glory to God. You know what I'm talking about. There, we have so many opportunities to be thankful. So many opportunities to say thank you. So let's just take those opportunities. Let's develop an attitude of gratitude. And let's see, let's just uh, lose God from working miracles in our lives and, and just blessing us and, and so we can be fruitful and be a blessing to others. And I'm telling you, when you start doing that, not only are you going to see things changed around you, but you're going to find yourself being changed into a different person. You're going to start liking yourself more. You know what I mean? Hallelujah. You're going to start, oh, and people are going to start to like you more. That's the truth. So uh, um, I just want to bless you. And, 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 I, and I thank you for listening to this message. God bless you. For more information on GoTel Ministry, our teaching, our itinerary, and to discover the many testimonies of those who have been touched and healed by the power of God, you may visit our website at www.gotelministry.org. And remember, 
that Jesus came to give you life and life in abundance.